let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Rev. Richard C. Whitcomb. Far to the north of here, in the frozen tundra of the Arctic Circle, there lives a fierce animal called the wolf. The wolf is a very dangerous creature, for he has sharp teeth and a vicious nature. He shows no mercy to his prey, and his lust for blood will cause him to attack and kill anyone he can. The Eskimos are the people who live in the frozen tundra of the north. They've learned to be very careful of the wolf, and they've also learned how to use his bloodlust against him. To capture and kill a wolf, an Eskimo will follow a few simple steps. First, the Eskimo takes a very sharp knife and coats his knife with blood. He then allows the blood to freeze on the knife blade. When the first layer of animal blood has frozen onto the knife, the Eskimo then adds another layer of animal blood and another and another until the blade is completely concealed by frozen blood. Next, the hunter fixes his knife in the ground uh, with the handle in the ground and the blade up. Soon, a wolf follows his sensitive nose to the source of the scent and discovers the bait. Wolves love animal blood and at first, the wolf will lick the knife cautiously. But when he does, he tastes the fresh, frozen blood. The wolf begins to lick faster, more and more vigorously, anxious to consume the frozen blood. As the fierce wolf licks the blood away, he unknowingly laps the blade until all the outer coating of frozen blood is gone and the edge is bare. Feverishly now, harder and harder, the wolf licks the blade in the Arctic night. So great becomes his craving for blood that the wolf does not notice the razor-sharp sting of the naked blade on his own tongue, nor does he recognize the instant at which his own insatiable lust is being satisfied by his own blood. As he continues to lick the knife and the frozen blood is removed, the sharp edge of the blade is revealed. And as he licks more and more, he starts to bleed in his mouth, but he doesn't recognize he's consuming and creating his own death. His carnivorous appetite just craves more, causing him to thrust the knife deeper and deeper into his own mouth and throat. His own blood flows freely, and he consumes it willingly until the wounds in his mouth become the cause of his own death. The wolf dies in his lust for blood, never realizing until it's too late that he has been consumed by his own lust. Have you ever been consumed by your own lust? Perhaps you're here today and you're caught up in viewing pornography online. It started with just a few simple clicks, but now the images are burned in your memory. You can't go even one day without thinking about what you've seen as you look for every opportunity to watch more and more. 
Perhaps you're here today and you're caught up in a sexual relationship. You never intended to go this far. But once you tasted the pleasure of sin, there seemed to be no turning back. Or perhaps you're here today and you're trapped in another aspect of lust. It may be prostitution or masturbation. You may not know it yet, but just like the wolf, you are being consumed by your own lust. And unless you break free, from the stronghold of lust, you will soon end up broken, desperate, and destroyed. The good news for all of us today is this. There is a way for you to break free from the stronghold of lust. By the power of God, every single one of us can overcome lust and avoid the regret, the heartbreak, and the disaster that lust causes. And it all begins here today as we discover God's word. But before we continue, let us pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Today we ask you to convict us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Open our eyes to see where we have gone astray and allowed lust to creep in and take control in our thoughts, in our bodies, and in our hearts. Lord, we submit to you now. I bind every voice of the devil that would come to deceive or disturb or distract us. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, I loose the power of the Holy Spirit, the power to convict us, the power to stir us, the power to Bring us to repentance and free us from the stronghold of lust. We thank you today that at the end of this day, your name will be glorified and our lives will be changed. We give you praise by faith in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. I want to invite you to take a moment and join your faith with mine. Put your hand on your chest and pray after me. Lord Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. Manifest your glory in me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Truth for Today. It's so great to have you with me as we study God's Word in God's presence. You've picked a great day to join in as we continue our sermon series titled Strongholds. Everybody say strongholds. We began this series last week with a foundational message on the stronghold of the mind. The Word of God tells us that we can demolish spiritual strongholds in our lives and win the victory over the enemy forces through the power of God. But in order to do that, it's vital that we understand where our greatest battle is taking place. The truth is, your greatest battle is not in the spiritual realm against witches and wizards. Your greatest battle is not fa fighting family ties and overcoming secret family altars. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 tells us, us plainly that our victory over demonic strongholds begins with victory in our minds. The Bible says this, take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And when you allow God's truth to take control of your mind, you will find other strongholds begin to break in your life as well. You will find freedom over lust and resentment and pride when you submit your mind 
to God. That's the powerful lesson we're going to learn today in our message titled, The Stronghold of Lust. Now, to help us learn the truth for today, we prepared sermon notes. You can download the notes free of charge from my website and my social media pages. Go ahead and take out your notes now and follow along as we go deeper into God's Word. Amen. Our scripture text for today is found in the book of Romans, chapter 6, verses 12 to 14. Now receive the word of the Lord. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body, tell your neighbor your whole body, as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to your heart today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. I love the powerful promises and the truths contained in these three simple verses. See, the truth is, when you give yourself completely to God, he comes in and delivers you from the power of sin. The Bible says, sin is no longer your master. So when Jesus sets you free, he sets you free completely. He doesn't partly save you and leave you partly in bondage. When Christ comes into your life in fullness, all the power you need to live every day in victory is yours through the Holy Spirit. If you believe it, say amen. But as we discovered last week, in order to appropriate the victory of Christ in our lives, we have to do something. Our text says, don't let sin control you. In other words, you have to choose to walk in freedom. You have to choose to let the life of Jesus manifest through you. So for the next few weeks, we're going to learn how to apply the victory of Jesus to very specific areas of strongholds in our lives. We're not just going to talk theory and theology. We're going to see how we can actually practice a life of freedom and victory from sin that Jesus offers to us. And to begin with, we're starting with one of the greatest strongholds of sin in the world, the stronghold of lust. Today, I'm going to give you three steps to conquer the stronghold of lust. And here's your first step today. Consider the consequences of lust. In order to conquer lust, you need to understand the devastating consequences of this sin. I know that many people today have come to accept fornication and adultery, masturbation as a normal part of life. I know many people today think it's not bad or wrong. There are even many in the church that have the attitude of, well, I know it's a sin, but it's no big deal. Everybody does it. It's unavoidable. I can do it, and God will forgive me. But God's word is clear. All sex outside of marriage is sin, 
And it's a serious sin. Sexual immorality is worse than you think. The stakes are higher and the consequences are greater than you can imagine. So let me give you three consequences of lust. First of all, you become a slave to sin. Listen to God's word in Romans 6.16. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. When you yield to lust, you are choosing to become a prisoner and a slave of lust. Many years ago, there was a king in Europe named Reynald III. Reynald was grossly overweight. In fact, he was often called by his Latin name, Crassus, which means fat. He was king fat. Well, one day, Reynald and his younger brother, Edward, got into a violent quarrel. Edward became so angry, he led a coup against Reynald. Edward captured him, and he put him in a prison. But because Reynald was Edward's brother, he didn't want to kill him. So instead, he built a room in the castle and put Reynald inside. Then Edward made a surprising promise. Edward told his senior brother Reynald that he could regain the throne and regain his property and regain his freedom as soon as he was able to leave the room. Now, this would not have been a problem for most ordinary people since the room had windows and a nearly ordinary-sized door, and none of the windows or door were locked or barred. The problem was Reynold's size. To regain his freedom, he needed to lose weight. But Edward knew his older brother. Edward knew his older brother had a lust for food. So every day, Edward sent in delicious foods and pastries. Instead of dieting his way out of prison, Reynald consumed everything and got fatter and fatter, and he couldn't pass through the door. When Edward was accused of cruelty, he had a ready answer. My brother is not my prisoner. He may leave whenever he wishes. Reynald stayed a prisoner in that room for 10 years because he would not control his appetite and lose weight. Eventually, Edward died in battle, but by the time Reynald was rescued and taken out of the room, his health was ruined, and he died within a year, a prisoner of his own appetite. That's what lust does. Lust makes you a slave to sin. You become trapped by your own natural desires. Proverbs 11, 6 says, the unfaithful will be caught by their lust. And that leads us to the second consequence of lust. You harm yourself. Hear the word of the Lord from 1 Corinthians 6, 18. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. And friends, you may think that lust doesn't hurt anybody. Well, I just watched pornography. It didn't hurt anybody. Well, I just masturbated. It's just by myself. You think secret sin arms no one. But God says otherwise. God says when you sin sexually, you sin against your own body and harm yourself. But not only that. 1 Peter 2.11 says, Abstain from fleshly lusts which war against your soul. Your soul is under attack. 
attack when you're bound by the stronghold of lust. It's time to stop pretending that fornication is not serious. It's time to stop pretending that pornography and masturbation are not sins. It's time to stop pretending that I can commit sexual immorality and go free. I have seen firsthand the devastation that sexual sin can cause. Years ago, I had a young lady in my church. Before coming to Christ, she was very promiscuous. She had a lot of sexual partners. She became pregnant over and over, but she continually had abortions. But all those abortions damaged her womb. Later, when she gave her life to Christ and came to my church, she married a pastor, but they could never have children because she had spoiled her womb with abortions due to lust. When I was pastoring a church in Nigeria, I had a powerful young man as the youth leader in my church. The young man, though, was seduced one day by a certain lady. He fell into fornication. He was an outstanding young man with a good job and a bright future. But within three months of his fornication affair, he developed a mental illness. He lost his job and went mad. The woman he had slept with was a witch, and she used her connection physically to penetrate his spiritual life. See, the Bible tells us that when you have sexual relations with someone, you become one with them. Sex is not an act, it's an adhesion. Sex is not an event, it's an equation. The two become one. Now, I know and believe that if you're caught in the stronghold of lust today, God can and will forgive you. But what's at stake today is not forgiveness, it's consequences. Lust is a war against your soul. The enemy wants to use lust to kill you and destroy you. And that brings us to the, our third and most deadly consequence of lust. You will die spiritually. Ephesians 5, 5 to 7 says, For of this you can be sure. No immoral person has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Friends, all sexual activity outside of marriage is a sin. It will prevent you from entering heaven. It will send your soul to hell. You may say, well, I believe that God will forgive me. I'm a Christian, and when I get to heaven, I will just kneel down and beg God. I'm going to heaven, and God will bless me and forgive me. Friend, you can believe whatever you want, but I choose to believe what God says. And God says, no immoral person has any inheritance in the kingdom of God. So I wonder, which heaven are you going to? This same truth is repeated in Galatians 5, 19 to 21. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity. I warn you, says the word of God, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. 
Now, if you're listening and watching today and you're guilty of lust, God can forgive you. God will forgive you if you turn from your sin. But to those who are listening and watching, you are persisting in fornication. You're persisting in masturbation. You're persisting in pornography. To those who are intent on keeping a mistress or a side chick, God has a message for you today. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. For lust has consequences. And knowing the truth alone won't deliver you. You have to take the second step to conquer the stronghold of lust. You have to face the facts about lust. The truth is most people today are deceived about the very nature of lust. Most people are caught up in it, but they don't understand what they're up against. Even people who accept the consequences to lust often don't realize the true nature of lust. So let's expose uh, the lie of lust and discover three facts about the stronghold of lust. And the first is this, lust is not natural. Now I know most of you might be shocked after all, lust seems natural. You may say, but I don't choose to lust. It just happens. I feel desire and I lust. But lust is not natural. It's something that has been added to your natural sexual desire. It is outside God's plan. That's why 1 Corinthians 6.13 says, The body is not meant for sexual sins. The body is meant for the Lord. And the Lord is meant for the body. So here's the truth. God created you. He created your body. And he did not create you for lust. He knows what is natural. God created you with natural physical desires. He created all of us with a natural desire for sex. If we did not have that desire, most people would probably not produce any offspring. So God made our bodies in such a way that we have a natural human desire for sex. But that is a great difference between the natural desire for sex and lust. The first is God-given. The second is unnatural. That's why this passage says the body is not meant for sexual sin. You were not created for lust. Lust is an unnatural desire that pushes man to fulfill himself outside the boundaries of God's law. The dictionary defines lust like this, uncontrolled or illicit sexual desire or appetite, a passionate or overmastering desire or craving. And that's where the problem is. When you yield to lust, you must go outside God's boundaries. You've got to do things God never intended for you to do. You've got to break God's laws to give in to lust. And when you do that, it rules over you. It masters you. It overwhelms you. And you always end up with a lot of unintended consequences. See, here's the danger. Lust uses our natural God-given desires to deceive us. Lust manipulates natural physical desire and entices us to sin. That's what the Bible says in James 1, 14 to 15. Listen, but each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. So you have natural physical desires, but then they draw you away and entice you. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. So here's what happened. The devil takes lust and it takes it to make your natural desires entice you and lead you to sin. And here's the fact. 
if you don't control your natural desires, then you will have lust, and it will lead to death. Lust doesn't bring about the desired results, and that's the second fact you need to know about lust. Lust does not satisfy. James 4.2 says, you lust and do not have. You see, there's a temporary pleasure in lust, but it never satisfies. Hebrews 11.25 calls it the fleet pleasures of sin. Oh, you feel good for a moment. You have momentary ecstasy, but in the end, you end up unsatisfied. That's why lust always wants more and more and more. Lust causes you to need more excitement to satisfy yourself. Pornography makes you dissatisfied with what you have because it always looks better. And scientific studies have revealed a surprising truth. There is greater pleasure and satisfaction in sex, in marriage, for those who are faithful and do not stray. The most sexually satisfied people in the world are not bachelors at a nightclub or movie actors or football players with their girlfriends. The most sexually satisfied people in the world are married people who are faithful to one another. A recent scientific study showed that pornography actually diminishes a person's sexual satisfaction, whether single or married. That's why Jesus said in John 2.17, the world is passing away and the lust of it. Lust is a passing pleasure that decreases the more you try to appease it. The more you yield to your cravings, the less pleasure they bring you. Lust is a vicious cycle that defeats you, destroys you, and leads to death. But the third fact about lust brings us good news, and that's this. Lust can be overcome. For 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out. Somebody say a way out so that you can endure it. Friends, God said it. I believe it, and that settles it. Lust can be overcome. The stronghold can be broken. God says there's no temptation, not lust, not masturbation, not fornication, not pornography, no temptation beyond what you can bear. See, you've been told a lie. The devil has lied to you. He's told young men, you can't control yourself. You can't endure. But God says that's not true. He will make a way for you. His power is available to you. But the fact is, you have to also understand that God makes a way out for us and we have to take the way out. We have to take practical steps to avoid sin. Overcoming lust is a spiritual battle with a practical application. You can't just pray. You have to pray and find the way out. Somebody shout out. I hear from young men all the time about how they cannot help themselves. They'll say, I don't know what happened. I was alone with my girlfriend in the bedroom, and all of a sudden, we had sex. Uh, I didn't mean to, but it happened. Ha! Brother, who are you fooling? How did you find yourself alone with a woman in the bedroom at night with a condom in your pocket? Hey, you could overcome. You just didn't want to. One young man said, eh, Reverend, ladies are throwing themselves at me. When a lady throws herself at you, throw her back. Another young man said, eh, this sister told me she was feeling cold, so I embraced her, and then it happened. If a sister tells you she's feeling cold, tell her to put on a coat. 
You know how I know, I know, I know you can control yourself? Because you don't fulfill your lust in public. You can control yourself when people are watching. I have never seen a man romance another man's wife in the presence of that man. I have never heard of a young man having sex with his girlfriend in front of his girlfriend's father. When other people are watching, we suddenly find the strength to control ourselves. You can control yourself when the motivation is strong enough. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you. The stronghold of lust is not stronger than the power of God. A young man is probably the most prone to lust, but Psalm 119.9 says, even a young man can cleanse his way by taking heed to God's word. Friends, we need to start promoting self-control in the church of Jesus Christ. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. When God's Spirit lives inside of you, you will learn to control yourself. And here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you. Self-control before marriage will equal self-control after marriage. Lack of self-control before marriage will lead to lack of self-control after marriage. If you're sexually immoral now, you will be after you're married too. The men and women who are the most promiscuous before marriage are the most promiscuous after marriage. Marriage doesn't cure lust. If marriage cured lust, no married people would commit adultery. Sister, let me speak frankly to you. If you dress like a prostitute, you will attract men who are looking for a prostitute. If you use lust to catch a man, then you need to use lust to keep a man. And no matter what, one day, one day, there will be someone younger and more beautiful and more tempting than you. And what will you do? You caught your man with your body, and you will lose your man the same way. Brothers, let me talk to you honestly. If you want to marry a godly young lady and have a great Christian home, stop looking for your wife at nightclubs. Your dream girl is not at Law Pleasure Beach. She's serving at church. Jesus Christ is in you. The King of glory dwells in you. His mighty power is greater than the power of all your natural desires. When you feel those desires, pray and find the way out. And that brings us to our third step today. Seek God's solution for lust. You see, God has an answer for you. You can demolish the stronghold of lust. And here are three practical steps to overcome lust. Number one, decide. Everybody say decide. Make Job's covenant with your eyes. Job 31.1, the Bible says, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look with lust at a young woman. I remember a young man came to me a few years ago. He was just 23 years old. He told me that he had promised to remain a virgin until he got married. But one certain day, he met a lady. He went to her house and fell into fornication. Then he said to me, Pasta, since that day, every time I visit her, we fall into sin. Why is this happening to me? Is it an evil spirit? Is it a demon? Son, the answer to why this is happening to you is simple. It is not a demon spirit. It's in the five words you told me. Every time I visit her. Stop visiting her and you'll stop committing fornication. The problem is not a demon. The problem is you. 
Jesus said it like this in Matthew 5, 27 to 29. Anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. So learn from your past. If every time you sleep with a guy, he ends up using and abusing you, then stop sleeping with him. If every time you go to a nightclub and get drunk, you end up in bed with a stranger, then stop going to nightclubs. If every time you hang out with Kwame, you get in trouble, then stop hanging out with Kwame. To break the stronghold of lust, you have to decide, decide, decide in advance what you will do. When nudity comes on the television, decide in advance, I'll turn it off. Decide in advance, I will not watch a movie with sexual activity. I will not flirt with someone. I will not be alone in a bedroom at night with someone from the opposite sex other than my husband or wife. You need to make Job's covenant with your eyes to keep them from looking at evil. Second, you need to make this action, declare. Make David's covenant with your heart. Psalm 119.11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Do you hear what David is telling us in this verse? He's saying that you can prepare against sin in advance. You can build a wall of protection against sin. We know that sin is coming. We know that lust will tempt us, but we can guard against it. And the time to guard against lust is now. Not when it comes, but now, ahead of time, by placing God's word in your heart. See, friends, every one of us is tempted. You're tempted, I'm tempted, we're all tempted. If you deny that you're tempted, you will not be able to overcome. I know some young men in the church who say, oh, Reverend, that can never happen to me. You're either lying or you're setting yourself up to fail. But when you know you can be tempted, you will prepare in advance for the onslaught of sexual temptation. You will plant the word in your heart. Make a plan of action now. Start putting God's word in your heart every day. When you put his word in your heart and take heed to it, you are guarding against lust in advance. And when lust comes to call on you, you'll be prepared in advance to say no. And here's the good news for all of us. When you plant God's word in your heart, then God's word will saturate your heart and mind day and night. You will boldly declare God's word that talks about your victory. You will declare your power in Christ. You will declare that God's word is true when his word fills your heart and thoughts. For Proverbs 4.23 says, Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. And this leads us to the final step I want to give you to overcome the stronghold of lust. Devote. First decide, then declare, then devote. Make Paul's covenant with your body. Romans 13, 14 says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Make no provision for the flesh. Don't allow any situation to develop whereby you could possibly fall. There are practical steps you can take, we can all take, to prevent lust from getting a grip on your life. Don't go behind closed doors or out of sight with a person who's not your husband or wife with whom you could engage in sexual activity. Don't entertain a man or woman in your room alone. Don't go into a room alone and close the door. Brothers, listen. 
if you are never alone in a room with a woman, you will never commit fornication or adultery with her. Don't go where you shouldn't go. You won't fornicate if you never have the opportunity to fornicate. You'll never end up in disaster if you don't go where disaster strikes. You'll never backslide if you don't go where backsliders go. You'll never end up in hell if you don't follow the sinners who are going there. Once there was a young Christian couple that was courting. They planned on getting married. One night they were spending time together at the man's house watching a movie on television. It started to get late and the lady picked up her bag and said, well, I should go. But when she opened the door to go, she saw that it was raining outside. She didn't have her umbrella and she didn't want to go out in the rain. The man felt sorry for her and said he wouldn't force her to go in the rain. So they decided they would just pass the night in the house, but they would not sleep together. And she was on her side, he was on his. But along the way, the temptation became great, and they fell into sin. But had they made protections beforehand, they would have overcome when lust came knocking. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says, So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. For temptation is much easier to avoid than it is to resist. If you avoid temptation in the first place, you will not have to resist temptation in the second place. The problem is we often underestimate our enemy. We taunt the enemy when we put ourselves in places of temptation. When you stay alone in a room overnight with your girlfriend, you're putting yourself in a place of temptation. You're taunting the enemy. Ladies, when you dress provocatively, you're taunting the enemy. If you show more flesh than fabric, you're dressed inappropriately. When the way you dress leaves nothing to the imagination, you're taunting the enemy. Some of you ladies have more privacy settings on your Facebook page than you do on your legs. Hey! Why would you have more privacy settings on your Facebook page, but your whole body is public knowledge? If a guy only wants you for your breasts, thighs, and legs, send him to KFC. You're a child of God, not a cheap value meal. You belong to Jesus, so dress like it. Men, if you're struggling with pornography or fornication or masturbation, today, let me be very clear. Jesus can set you free. One of the worst lies about sex is when the devil tells you, you can't overcome. But God says differently. God says you can make it. You can be pure. You can be holy. God's power is sufficient and his grace is enough to deliver you and to keep you. If you will get filled with Jesus, then you won't have any room for sin. For Romans 12, 21 says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let the good of God fill you and lift you out of the stronghold of lust. Many years ago, there was a drought in Ghana. It did not rain for a long time. The country became so dry that the river Volta began to shrink and the lake Volta began to recede. Where water had been before, there was now dry, dirty mud. During that drought, boats that had been on the Lake Volta sank and got stuck in the mud. As the water went down, some of them got lodged in the mud. If you left your boat tied to the shore floating on the lake and came back in a week, the water went down and the boat would be stuck in the mud. If you left it there for too long, you couldn't move the boat. 
You could pull and push, but the boat was stuck in the mud. But one day, when the rain finally came, the lake rose again. The rain poured from the sky, and water rose in the lake. And suddenly, all the boats that were stuck in the mud were lifted by the power of the water of the lake coming up. And as the lake rose, the boats broke free. And so it is for mankind. We're stuck in the mud of sin. We're stuck in the mud of lust. But when the Holy Spirit comes in like a flood, he raises us and carries us out of that mud. When the Holy Spirit comes on your life, you too will be free. The way to keep sin out is to keep Jesus in. When the Spirit of God fills you, there is no room for the stronghold of lust. That's why Galatians 5, 16 to 17 says, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Lust has consequences. It leads to death. Lust is not natural. By God's grace, it can be defeated. God has made a way for every one of us spiritually and practically to be free. So decide today that lust will not rule over you. Make Job's covenant with your eyes. Declare the truth of God's word in your life. Make David's covenant with your heart. Plant God's truth in your heart and your mind. When lust comes to tempt you, speak in faith that sin shall not have dominion over you. And devote yourself to God. Make Paul's covenant with your body. Don't give any room to lust, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. For when you follow these steps, you will demolish the stronghold of lust and you will prevail in victory. Let me pray for you. Almighty Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. Open our eyes to your truth today. Lust is not natural. It's a perversion of the great good things you've placed in us. Lust is not so strong that we cannot break free. Help us to see the truth today that your power, your word, your spirit is enough to help us overcome lust. Let us realize the consequences of lust. Let us realize the path out that we must make covenants with our eyes, our hearts, and our bodies to follow you and be filled with you. I break every sexual addiction in everyone watching and listening today in the name of Jesus. I break the stronghold of pornography. I break the stronghold of masturbation. I break the stronghold of every illicit sexual relationship in the name of Jesus. And I loose the power of God to everyone who's willing, to everyone who's committed, to everyone who loves you today in faith. Lord, I loose the power of God to break free from the stronghold of lust in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you for listening to this message. Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb is the senior pastor of Agape House New Testament Church in East Legon. If you are ever in Accra, we would like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m. or on Sunday at 7.30 a.m., 9.30 a.m. and 11.30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience.